When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Terrio Media. So you want to be a real estate investor, but you don't want to do the work. If there were only a way where someone else could do it for you, now there is. Tune in here each and every Tuesday on the Epic Real Estate Investing Show for Turnkey Tuesdays with your host, Mercedes Torres. Hello and welcome. Welcome to Turnkey Tuesdays. My name is Mercedes Torres and I am lucky enough to be partners in crime with Mr. Matt Terrio, the gentleman who created the Epic Real Estate Investing Empire. Um, today, I want to talk to you and share an amazing story. But before we get into this, I want to welcome our listeners back to our show. If you're listening to us again, welcome back. Glad you made it. Make yourself comfortable. And for those of you that are new to listening to Turnkey Tuesdays, this show was created specifically for busy professionals who are interested in diving into real estate investing, but don't have the time or the desire to learn all the nuances there is about real estate investing. So I created the show so you can jump right in and perhaps piggyback off of a turnkey real estate investing company that could help you uh, seek financial freedom. So that is the whole purpose of Turnkey Tuesdays. Welcome on board if you are just now tuning in. So first and foremost, I want to give out a couple of shout outs to my friend, Mr. Dylan Peters. Dylan is an old friend of the show. He's been around for, I think, about four years, and he has recently acquired eight turnkey savvy properties. Now, if he or if anybody is the definition of financial freedom, it is him. He originally lived in Northern California and decided he wanted to take a hiatus. And he took all the cash flow of his real estate investments and decided to travel to uh, the Philippines. He is wandering the world in the Philippines for a whole year. I think right now he's down under. He said he was going to be in Australia for a little bit. But um, kudos to you, Dylan. I know you listen to us all the way from Manila or all the way from Australia, wherever you at, are at this week. Um, congratulations on your eight properties. I know you've got two coming up that are closing relatively soon. And I know that uh, you are there and we're going to make this closing as easy and smooth as possible. Um, to our new acquisitions, Josh H. from Southern California just closed on two awesome properties in Indianapolis. James H., one Birmingham property. Congratulations, buddy. Nestor and Laurie, welcome back to the real estate uh, 
queue, the VIP queue. I know you're purchasing property number three. And long and behold, I'm going to have you on this podcast, guys. So I'm coming for you. Um, and then I also spoke this week to Victor Lopez and Kevin S. I really hope that uh, our conversation was uh, meaningful, impactful, made a difference. And whatever it is that you choose you do, I really want you to really go after your financial freedom. So on to our show today, I have a very special guest. You know, I often say it that our guests are special. And the reason they're special is because they become friends of ours. Now, um, our guest today, his name is Glenn. Glenn is a uh, veteran. He is a Marine. He served the Marine for a very long time. I believe he even served Dester's Storm. He then was uh, jumped into the National Guard, and now he is a firefighter. He's actually been a firefighter for 20 years. And when Glenn first reached out to us, he was referred to us by Robert Kiyosaki himself. Kiyosaki turned him over to our turnkey operation. And long and behold, Glenn was skeptical. I mean, if you're talking skeptical, skeptical is not even the word to describe him. He was ultra skeptical. And he started the conversation saying so. Now he's from Boston, Massachusetts. He just calls a spade a spade. So I appreciated that, but he was skeptical. But in addition to being skeptical, one of his biggest challenges was the fact that his spouse was not supportive of what he was doing. So I'm going to uh, allow him to dive into his story and his journey because he's only been investing for four years and he's already acquired three turnkey properties. And I think I turned him into a believer. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, my very good uh, follower and friend of our podcast, Mr. Glenn Hazard. Welcome to the program. Are you there? And can you hear me? I am. Can you hear me? I can. Thank you for joining us, Glenn. I know it's been a rough couple of days for you because you live in Boston and I heard that you've gotten, I think, 14 inches of snow. Is that the case? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome. I'm in beautiful Southern California. I do not mean to rub that in, but it is not 14 degrees here, nor have we received 14 inches of snow. Um, so Glenn, thank you for joining us and tell us a little bit about Glenn. Well, I'm probably the average person, I guess, as far as, you know, I'm married. I have two kids. Um, I'm 47 years old. My background is firefighting and military. So as far as real estate is concerned, I, <laughs> I know how to destroy properties, I guess, more than build them up. <laughs> so, so you are a firefighter. I am. How long have you been doing that? Almost 20 years now. 20 years. Unbelievable. And uh, do you absolutely love it? What, what is it that keeps you on the firefighting force for 20 years? I'm going to modify the answer because the truth is, <laughs> um, I do like it, but it's different now that I'm older. Uh, you know, it's a younger man's game. I make a good check. You know, that's, that's the truth. Um, you know, I'm, I'm over the hump as far as getting close to my retirement. So, I mean, I'm just going to hang on. There's no reason for me to leave. But it, it, the older I get, the more dangerous it gets. And that's the truth. Wow. Glenn, thank you for being so absolutely honest about that answer. Um, I speak to so many people uh, that, uh, you know, love what they do. And then there's other people that do it because either they're good at it or because they have to. 
and the fact that you've been doing something for 20 years and you're doing it because it's good pay and you're close to retirement is something that so many people can relate to. So thank you for sharing that. So uh, tell me a little bit about, I, um, I'm going to allow you to take over um, our conversation because Glenn, you were a little gem. Um, I remember when you and I first started talking, it was a whole different completely Glenn. Um, Glenn has been a follower of the show, I want to say for about five years. Is that Glenn? Uh, how long have you been following uh, Epic Real Estate? I contacted you, I remember uh, very clearly, because I was getting ready to go somewhere when I was still in the National Guard. Um, we met, well, we con- I contacted you roughly about May of 2015. Mm-hmm. We had our first conversation. Okay, and what made you reach out to me? How well, did you learn about us? I actually got an email from Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and... Robert Kiyosaki was interviewing Matt. I still get stuff from him, and you know I'm always curious to see what he says. And he likes to promote certain business models every now and again because of their effectiveness. And um, I believe because of uh, – I don't think it was so much about flipping because there's a lot out there about flipping. I think it was mostly about the cash flow savvy and the turnkey operations system. And it just – Picked my interest, and, and I watched the interview. I believe it was about a half hour or so. And um, so he, Matt was sitting there directly right next to Robert Kiesack, and it's like, hmm, wow. So I, uh, you know, that's, I decided uh, there was a link there and everything. I had your contact information, and I called it. And that was back, I guess, when you directly answered the phone. And <laughs> so, you know, we had several conversations, if I remember. And um, yeah. I was skeptical, um, and I was only skeptical in the sense that, first of all, I had never heard of a turnkey operation, so I was like, but I always wanted to do, in the back of my mind, I always wanted to do real estate, and I just, if you just buy a book, you can't learn from that, because now, now, now that I know a little bit more about real estate, there's, there's the systems, and yeah. you can't get that just from reading a book, and so you invited me out, and that, I believe, was your first Epic Intensive, if I'm not mistaken, and that was in Universal Studios LA, and it's like, believe it or not, Mercedes, I really followed my heart on this. I, I listened to what my gut was saying, and something just said, go out there, and I was like, I had to take a chance, and it was a lot of faith and trust, and, and I just went out and did it. Um, I had to finagle my way around my wife at first. <laughs> I, won't I remember. <laughs> I know she was not on board. I do remember that. Yeah. In fact, you lied to her about where you were going. I remember that. <laughs> you actually, you created a useful fiction. <laughs> Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, my mindset was I, I want to, I need to do what I got to do. And, and I just did it. And I have no regrets. I look, I don't look back and I wouldn't. I don't think I would have done anything any different. I, I went out there, met you guys, felt comfortable. I uh, had a great time because <laughs> I had never been out to LA, so it was interesting in that point. And uh, 
What made you feel comfortable about the team? I, I specifically remember, by the way, Glenn, that intensive was five years ago, and it was a combination of an epic intensive and something that we used to do called Grub and Grow Rich. And it was just uh, a small evening where we just explained how cash flow and creating streams of income can make a difference for you. We no longer do the Grub and Grow Rich events, but we still do the intensives. But I specifically remember you, Glenn, because you were, first of all, so skeptical. And uh, you were open-hearted because you knew you needed to make a change. And by that time, you and I had had several conversations about just where you were in life, your mindset, you know, you were in the rat race, you were working paycheck to paycheck and you were sick of it. And, um, you know, I do remember three things that popped out in my mind. Number one, I live in Boston. I'm ready to get out of the snow. (laughs) Number two, I remember you're saying, I'm skeptical. This isn't going to work. Why is it going to work for me? And number three, my wife is not on board. And for us, number three was the biggest hurdle to get over because I have seen time and time again that if your spouse doesn't support you in real estate, that is like a recipe for failure. And you did something against all odds and you kind of fabricated why you were coming out to LA. And I remember when I learned about that, I got upset (laughs) and I said, Glenn, that's not the way to do it. And then you went home and you fixed it. And I remember you did that and you called me to tell me, I told my wife the truth. So tell me a little bit about that. Why was she not on board? And then how did you end up telling her the truth after you came to LA to spend three days with us? My wife is pretty in touch with the uh, intuitive world, I guess you would say. She she sensed something. And yeah. every time we might have talked about something, she, she just, she could sense things and it was a matter of time. I had to just come clean anyways. Um, So what did you come clean about? Well, I told her my lie was that back then I was still in the national guard. So it was not uncommon for me to, to go away every now and again for training or whatever. So that's what I did. I told her I was going on, on a training because even for three days, I've gone away for three or four days. I don't always go away for a week or two or whatever. So she, on the surface, she bought it. And so I told her, and I says, yeah, I'm going out to California. And I says, I'm doing a training opportunity. They, they asked me, and I said yes. So that was the lie. Okay. But again, she, she sensed it from the beginning because uh, woman's thing, I guess. Woman's intuition. Yep. We, if we follow our gut, woman's intuition. I get it. Okay. So you came clean and you told her, look, honey, I'm doing this real estate thing. Tell me about that. And then tell me what, what was her reaction? It was easier. Honestly, by the time I told her, I had already bought my first property. So. I remember that. Okay. We'll, we'll get into that. So let's table that conversation. Um, I'm going to fast forward a little bit. And I wanted to know, you said you had real estate in the back of your mind always. You always wanted to do it. I know you had been listening to podcasts. You yourself said you had picked up a couple books. In fact, that's how you were introduced to us because uh, Robert Kiyosaki and Matt were doing an interview. So you saw that interview, by the way, Robert Kiyosaki, still a great friend. It's always been a mentor of ours, um, did an amazing interview with Matt. And uh, so if, for those listeners that want to see that, it's out there in the cloud. And it was amazing 
And then you reached out to us, but why real estate? And, and why specifically when you contacted me? Can I make a long story longer? <laughs> <laughs> we have podcast listeners that are interested. So make a long story uh, good and short. How about that? <laughs> first, my first even thought of real estate, believe it or not, was before I was in the National Guard, I was in the Marine Corps and I was active duty and I, was, I had a friend. His uncle was a realtor. He was talking to him on the phone, and he told him, I got a friend here, he's interested in real estate. So I, he ended up talking to me on the phone, and I would, I don't know if he would agree with this, I think he probably would, but he said one thing that just stuck in my mind, and he says, real estate works, but you just have to go big with it. And he was a realtor, but he invested as well. And back then, I, you know, I didn't see the forest from the trees, but I, it kept, it stayed in my mind. Yeah. So that word getting big with real estate, that's relative because everyone's definition of big is a different size. Well, I'm, but, I'm, I'm seeing that now because yeah, I make $200 a property, which is not a lot, but it's like, all right, so I buy a hundred of them or 10 or whatever. That's where the money's going to be really coming in, but, it, but I know it works. So yeah. that's why I'm going big with it. We'll talk about that $200 a month in passive income right now because I want to table that too. So there's two things I'm tabling there. Um, okay, so tell me, um, you reached out to me, we talked, you went out to an event and then um, you and I had a lot of conversations um, and you decided to pull the trigger. First of all, what happened in your mind that after all the time you and I spent on the phone and the fact that you flew out from Boston to California, you spent three full days with us. What was the one thing that said, okay, I'm finally going to do it? I don't think it was a specific aha moment, I guess, but at that point it was just do it or go home. And it's like, all right, I'm going to do it. What do I have to lose? My only hesitation in my skepticalness was from previous not real estate related, but business endeavors, yeah. I guess, that I got involved in. And my lessons learned from them were I was biting off more than I could chew, meaning I was investing all this stuff into trying to build the system without, you know, and I wasn't putting forth the work either. Yeah. And so I, I, that's why I was skeptical. I just, I was afraid I was going to lose money. Yeah. Yeah. But everything pushed me, says, do it, do it, do it, do it. And, and I just listened and I acted. Yeah. Um, I you know, Glenn, thank you for sharing that. Um, I, I want you to know that your that feeling, that fear, that skepticalness, first of all, it's common with just any person starting a new endeavor. You know, fear is always part of the equation. You mentioned something that, you know, you had done other businesses before. You had tapped into other opportunities. Perhaps that's where your wife's mindset came in because you had failed at something, you know, whether it was your fault or whether it was circumstances or whatever. And maybe she wasn't supportive of you because... You had lost money in other investments or other endeavors. Is that the case? Yeah, I believe so. Yes. Yeah, that's usually why um, you know why spouses don't support often is because you know they failed at something else, and failing is part of life. There's nothing wrong with it. What's you know important that we take in into consideration is that when we fail, you know that's a learning opportunity. Let's take what we can from that failure, mm -hmm. and 
make sure it doesn't happen again. So I get why your wife was skeptical. I get why she was intuitive because you had failed at something else before and she thought you were probably going to fail again. She probably thought, oh no, there goes Glenn getting into something new. And uh, that's perfectly normal. So when you came clean and you told her the truth, I'm sure it didn't make her happy at first, but it's changed a lot of things because you're now on property number three. We'll get to that. Okay. So uh, you, you took the step forward. Describe what the process was when you decided to jump on board and say, okay, Mercedes, I'm going to take on a first property. I just told myself just to shut up and listen, let the process do its thing. Yeah. Okay. And how did that work for you? Well, because it was new. See, the whole, the whole difference between real estate and my other experiences, I'm, I invested in a tangible asset, which I never see before. I was just investing in, in, in information and, and, you know, this and that. And yeah. that's the biggest difference. Uh, from day one, I was getting money almost. You know what I mean? I mean, I, obviously, you know, once it closed and then a couple of weeks maybe a month before a tenant actually got in there. And then, you know, you have to wait. But basically from day one, it was working for me. Okay. So let's start from the beginning. So you decided to do it and you jumped into our investor queue. Explain how that happened. What happened there? So then you explained, you know, how it's done as far as creating an escrow account. Um, I know there was differences because my first property was, I don't know, I don't know what you consider it, but it was, my second property was a property of the week. So it was a little different yeah. thing. Right. There's a difference between the properties that are deals of the week. Second one, because it was property of the week was only a thousand. Whatever. It doesn't matter. It's all going. So I did that. I opened up. I, I, I did exactly what you guys told me. You moved at the speed of instruction. Okay. So uh, what you did is you opened escrow with $2,500. Then you started, uh, by the way, the $2,500 goes towards the purchase of your property. And uh, you chose the property. And then that $2,500 became the earnest money of the property that you chose. Fantastic. What was the choosing process like? Like when you saw properties, it was the very first time you had seen properties ever on paper because obviously you live in Boston. The properties were not in Boston. What was that like? Again, it's a matter of, it's just stepping out on faith, you know, and, and just trust. Again, follow what I was taught, follow what my instinct was saying. I, I looked at the numbers and I made a criteria. Good job. I had to, I have to be realistic. You know what I mean? It could be the greatest deal in the world, but if it's a million dollars, I just don't have it. You know, yeah. so I have to be realistic. I, you know, it's funny because I did the same thing when I bought this, my house that I live in now. I, I was realistic with what I can afford. Yeah. And I didn't buy a $500,000 home because I just couldn't afford it. So I did the same thing. Uh, I set a criteria, you know, you were sending me the deals that were, Roughly in the same price range, anyways, eighty thousand ish, give or take. Uh, there yeah. were some that were a little bit more, but again, doing the numbers, and it's like, well, I can afford this down payment. I can't afford that one, so I'm going to go right. with these ones. And then I looked at uh, another criteria I had was the ROI. Um, I want the cash flow to be a little bit more. So my aiming point was the fifteen percent cash on cash return. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, um, I really, I remember us walking through this process about identifying what your criteria was. Uh, And normally when you're in the queue, I just send you what becomes available to you. Um, Because sometimes you'll see properties in the $80,000 price points, and sometimes you'll get a property in the $150,000 price point. But one of the things I specifically remember about you, Glenn, is you were very clear as to what you were looking for. You know, you were looking for a certain bed and bath count. You were looking for a purchase price amount and your ROI. And your numbers were crystal clear, which made it really easy for us to help you. And so we were only sending you criteria. Um, we were trying to simplify it even more. We were only sending you the properties that met your criteria. So you were comparing really apples to apples. So I do remember when you uh, chose your property, you called me about 17 times and asked me questions about (laughs) that property, but I was able to answer the questions and then you finally did choose the property. So when you chose the property and said, yes, Mercedes, I want that property, what happened next? Walk me through that process. I just started getting the ball rolling as far as uh, my next steps. Um, what I had to do was get that money in, in, a, in account so it can get seasoned. That was that was the big. And I find that, honestly, I find that probably to be the only obstacle just because of time-wise. Yeah. Yeah. So what that means, listeners, is money has to get seasoned is Glenn decided to use a conventional finance um, mode. Uh, So he went through conventional financing. I referred him to one of our lenders. And our lenders are amazing because they walk you through the entire step. Uh, Glenn can probably attest to that, but through the entire process step by step so that you're not lost. And uh, they require that the funds are seasoned and sourced. And basically what that means is that the money that you use to purchase this property as a down payment and to show that you have proof of funds, these funds have to be seasoned. They have to be sitting in your account for three bank statements. Uh, We can't see when the funds are deposited if it's a bulk of funds, but then they have to sit an entire two additional bank statement cycles. So if your statement goes from the 1st to the 30th, it has to sit the entire month without you touching those funds and you have to show three months of bank statements. So that's what Glenn is referring to where it it takes up time because you do, you have to wait three months for that to happen. And normally I make people do that before they jump into the queue. In your case, it was kind of simultaneous. So the closing was just a little bit longer because we were waiting, Glenn, for your funds to season. Is that correct? Yes. That's correct. Cool. Okay. So then fast forward through the closing process. Tell me about the inspection. Tell me about the appraisal for uh, you as a first timer. What was that like? Again, it all goes back to faith. I just took, I used the resources you referred me to. You gave me numbers for inspectors, uh, lenders, everybody, property managers. So, I mean, I just, I realized I had enough knowledge to realize there's no point in me trying to find my own contract, especially, or uh, inspector, especially to save a couple bucks. It's just not worth it. So I just, I called, you gave me uh, three numbers, as a matter of fact, um, for, for inspectors. So I just went, I went with the first guy, I called him, and he's kind of old school. Like What I found impressive was that everybody's up to technology as far as he gave me a full report, something I could really look at and say, all right, blah, 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 blah. And I did not close on that house until certain issues were addressed. 
That is correct. That is correct. Um, and the appraisal, uh, not the appraisal, but the inspection, tell me when you said it's a full report, how many pages was that report? His wasn't as long as my, the second property was 40 pages. Uh, this property actually was, was pretty long too, but it was very organized and I, I really appreciated that. And, um, I could zone in specifically on what issues and where to find them. And, and uh, because he, he said he gave recommendations and, you know, we, we all know inspectors are unbiased as far as the, the third party, they have nothing to gain. Right. So they want to say how it is. And it's, that's, you know, that's what I want to know is the truth. Right. You know, and it yeah. was, in each market, we purposely choose um, five inspectors that uh, are in the local area. And then we give our uh, cash flow savvy clients a list of inspectors and said, here, feel free to choose any of these inspectors or you can go hire your own. We have no problem with you hiring your own inspectors. Um, you did say something that has a lot of truth to it. There's no point in me to go out and find a new inspector just to save a couple of bucks. And the reality is one of the reasons, Glenn, we provide a list of inspectors is because there are inspectors and there are inspectors. Some inspectors have no business inspecting. And so uh, luckily, because we operate in volume, we've had our share of really bad inspectors. And what I mean by really bad is you can tell that they have limited experience and they have no idea what they're talking about. And, you know, you mentioned my second property was 40 pages long. Yeah, typically inspection reports are 30 to about 50 pages long. Imagine that. You are getting a 50-page report on one property. <laughs> and so the reality is the inspector, their license, and it is their license on the line that you can strip if you find out that something to the prime or if you find something on the report that later becomes a huge issue. So the inspector, one of the reasons the inspection reports are so long is because they have to disclose absolutely everything, even if it's not an issue. And what happens is when they disclose something about an inspection, it sounds, written word sounds terrible. And the reality is it could be that the doorbell isn't working. I mean, it right. could be something, yeah, not not huge, but one of the reasons we do make you do your own inspection is number one, we want you to be very familiar with the property. Number two, we want you to be comfortable with the property. And number three, it serves us, um, it serves to us as a opportunity to correct all the final things that we didn't catch. So you mentioned you didn't close on the property until all that was corrected. Tell me if you remember, what was that? What were the corrections that need to needed to happen? Well, I guess as a firefighter, I'm safety minded. Yeah. And some of the things were just small repairs. Um, the biggest issue I saw with that was there was a 20 foot tree trunk in the front of that property that was, it was rotted. It was dry rotted. It was dead, but it was still up. And it's like, so <laughs> I told them, no, get rid of that. Yeah. So they did, but they sent me the after pictures and it looks like they blew it up. Like there was a big, um, it looked like literally like they shot at it or blew it up and it was like all I says, no way. Are you serious? Like it was a tree stump, but it was so jagged. And it's like, 
if a kid falls on that, yeah. he's going to die, you know? And it's like, that's how I look at things. Yeah. No, no, take care of it again. Sorry. And I will not, I just will not close on a property. My second property had a CEO leak. Yeah. And it's like those things, I, I respond to those on a daily basis. People die from things like that. And it's like, yeah, I, I can't help but to go that route. And, you know, and so they took care of it the third time around. They sent me a picture and it was nice and leveled. Yeah. And I said, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm comfy with that. I'm satisfied. So. <laughs> yeah, no, we do. And, and this is one of the reasons that we depend on your reports as well. We do our own inspection reports. We actually do two inspections. So we do our general contractor uh, does a final walkthrough and we have our own internal inspection. And then we also hire a third party inspection. So by the time that you get it, it's a third inspection and uh, we absolutely use it to to our favor to make sure that you know everything is uh, on point. And you mentioned, we absolutely target the issues that are safety concerns. And ironically, with that um, tree trunk, no, it, it wasn't blown up. It was actually taken, the roots were completely removed out. And so it was amazing that they thought that that was okay. <laughs> so they sent pictures of that and removed it. And I thought, why would you not cover it up? So it did take us a couple times to do it, but we did it, needless to say. Um, and yeah, same thing about you know carbon monoxide detectors and, and fire detectors. Although we go in and do fire alarms uh, in each property uh, or smoke alarms or carbon monoxide things. Sometimes, you know, our crew might miss one or two. And that's why we keep going back to inspect properties. So kudos to you for being so articulate about that. Okay, so fast forward to your first closing. Uh, you did the appraisal. Everything was great. All of the um, items in the inspection report were corrected. And then you go to the closing table. So because you're in Boston and the property was not in Boston, what was your first property? I don't remember, Glenn. That was uh, 412 Camillo Road in Birmingham. Okay, Birmingham, Alabama. Awesome. So then uh, we send out a notary to you. Explain what the closing process was like. Well, so that whole time period, it was, you know, uh, I had a show. I had to send documents, uh, you know, check stubs and this and that. It's a little bit better now because of the e-sign and all that, the docu yeah. and all that. Back then, it, even then, it, I was still like, I had a print out the documents, sign it, and then rescan it back in. Yeah. Um, so I, a notary went to your home, or did they go to the yes. fire station? Uh, the first one, they came to my home, and I actually had the same guy for my second property, but he had to meet me at my firehouse, which was convenient, you know, and it's like, it was flexible, you know, and I, that was a good experience. And I actually, when because he, he had me the second time, he's like, oh, you know, what do you got? What are you doing here? And I, I told him, I said, yeah, I'm buying properties. And blah, blah, blah. So I kind of put the seed in his ear too, hopefully, uh, you know. Good for you. Good for you. Um, okay. So then that your first one was the firehouse. You keep talking about multiple properties. So tell me how many properties do you have now? And how many properties does your wife know that you have now? <laughs> she knows I had three. I, told okay. I, was, I was once at, at that point, when I told her I was clean with everything, she says, yeah, I'm going to go and do this and I'm going to go. And, uh, you know, and now she lets me, you know, go to an, inte an intensive every now and again. And So you came clean, the truth set you free, and now you don't have to lie to her. So tell me, 
You have three properties. Doesn't that feel good to let her know that you're doing everything and she's fully involved and you're completely transparent about what you're doing and, and the financial future that you're creating for yourself and your wife and your two kids? Doesn't she feel amazed by that? Yeah, she, you know, I know I'll, the conversation aspect of it will continue. And I had a, another level. I took the conversation to another level. Um, um, I reconnected with an old friend of mine who actually experienced uh, some success. And he's mentoring me a little bit. Um, Good for you. He said he had the same issue, you know, with his wife. He said, do this, tell your wife this. He says, uh, ask your wife, say, do you love me? What she's going to say is, I says, do you, not, do you love me enough to trust me? And I never really thought of that, but I, I did it. And sure enough, she's like, yes, I do. I says, all right. You know, I assure her that I'm not going to bet the farm. I'm not going to, you know, I know I get it. I get it. Women want security. They want to make sure that they got to, they're not going to lose the house. They're going to have meals. And I, I get that. And I will not take away from that. Yeah. But she's got to know that, you know, what, what I can do on the side, what little I can put away is going to go towards this. Yeah. I love it. Oh my God, Glenn. I, that's music to my ears. So you have three properties. Tell me where your properties are located. And in a nutshell, tell me how much you're cash flowing on each property. Well, technically, I'm not cash flowing on this last property. I just bought because I just closed them. Um, you just closed two days ago, Glenn. <laughs> so that's why you're not cash flowing yet, but we'll get to that. Okay, so property number one, Birmingham, Alabama. How much are you cash flowing on that? I'm getting, my, the rent collected is eight ninety five. They take their 8% fee, which is like $80. The mortgage is five twenty two. So I'm taking like two. 2230, I think it is. Yeah. Okay. Let's say $200 on property number one. Where's property number two? That's in Hammond, Indiana. I love I Hammond. When we had the epic intensive in Indiana, I, the day prior, I, I flew out to Chicago and they picked me up. They were great guys at Caps Rental. I know. I love my boys over there. They're awesome. All of my teams are awesome. I think you know this by now, right? And it's, I went to their office and it's like, it's a small town and it's, it's interesting. But, uh, he, one of the guys took me, uh, and drove me to my property. Yeah. Saw that. And I had never even heard of Hammond but it's like <laughs> right on the outskirts. It's like on the far corner, right next to Chicago. It's that close. Um, yeah. I'm getting about the same amount from that. The numbers are a little different. Um, I have a, and this is another lesson I've learned. Um, you know, insurance is obviously different. Uh, and because of this, I, I created new, a new criteria. I will not buy a property that was built prior to or is, is probably older than 60, 70 years old because I, I, I learned also the hard way yeah. that <laughs> older properties are obviously more liability. And the property in, in, in Indiana is was built in 1912 and it looks great for, for what it is. It was well kept uh, and it's bigger than I actually thought it was because when you actually get to see it, it's like, mm. so that's a new criteria I added prior to my closing on this third one. Okay. Uh, okay. So how much are you cash flowing on that one? About the same. Two, okay. 200 bucks. Okay. 200. You're actually cash flowing Honestly, a little bit more on that one. Mm -hmm. I've had, a, I've had more expenses on that house. So, okay. 
in theory, yes, I'm, I'm cash flowing about the same, but <laughs> uh, I've only owned, I've owned that house just over two years. But it, if you look at my averages based off the expenses, yeah, pretty much because it's just again, it's it's a unique experience, and Got it's it. not it's not it's not common, and you know, it, but it's stuff you're going to have to deal with as an owner. Okay. So you bought an older property and that just means a little bit more maintenance. Got it. Okay. But you're still roughly speaking cash flowing $200 a year. You have a little more maintenance on that, um, but you're still cash flowing $200 a month, correct? Correct. Okay. And then on your third one, which by the way, congratulations, you just closed literally two days ago on that property. That's why you're not cash flowing yet. However, what uh, are the projected numbers for that cash flow? He's advertising it for uh he being john cook the right. property management um yeah. he wants he's putting it on the market he's uh advertising for 950 a month. 950 yeah we, we are probably yeah we're going to get 950 your projections were out of 925 but yes our property management team on our third property is roughly i mean they're amazing that's going to cash flow a little bit more it's going to cash flow like in the 250ish range but okay so that's three properties that's two four six hundred and fifty dollars a month with three properties in a total of five years glenn that is amazing now let me just kind of the reason I ask what your cash flow is, Glenn, um, is because you're only focusing on the cash flow. You're getting so much more than the cash flow. You're getting appreciation. You're getting depreciation. Right. You're also getting on that property that you talked about maintenance, you're getting massive depreciation on that. And I bet, I haven't run the numbers, but I'm willing to bet that that property, the one that was the older one in Hammond, is probably bringing your highest return, even if you are not seeing it upfront in your bank account every month. It's on paper at the end of the year with your tax return, with your depreciation. Needless to say, the properties, the two properties that you're purchased, they're not in massively appreciating markets, but they have appreciated just a little bit. And so, as far as I'm concerned, Glenn, you're already in the positives on all of your properties simply because of everything that comes into play. You've been doing this for five years, Glenn. You've got three properties and I commend you. You started off uh, being skeptical as all heck. <laughs> Tell me now, how do you feel about real estate? Are you still skeptical? Not at all. Um, I know there's lessons, a lot of lessons I still have to learn, but when I was involved in something else, I promoted it because I had to. I'm telling people now because I want to. And, 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 and you know, it's like I'm, I was talking to a coworker of mine the other day, and um, he was really listening to me. And, and he had gone through some issues with his wife. Um, and uh, so he wanted to learn more. And he saw my passion, and he saw, and I told him my story, what I told you about listening to my spirit and, and heart and going out and flying out to LA. And uh, yeah. so he wants to learn more. Um, you know, I'm just going to start talking to people and my, my real estate investment uh, association is going through uh, new leadership. And um, they actually asked me because I'm always um, when I stand up, if I have a deal and that yeah. would be a deal that you sent me. Yeah. Um, I promote it. I says, look, I got to deal with my partners and, you know, so-and-so. 
everybody in that group, they always focus on Massachusetts or, you know, in that area. And it's like, I'm the only one pretty much because <laughs> there's some heavy hitters in there that have thousands of units, but, um, I'm one of the few people that are investing out of the state and they're like, really? And it's yeah. like, let me tell you about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, and it's, I love it. You're doing something different. I absolutely love it. And just so for your information, Glenn, I would love to come and speak to your RIA group if I'm invited. I would love to plant the seed of out-of-state investing because I know Boston and Boston is a market where cash flow is a little bit difficult to come by. So good for you. So tell me, Glenn, if you um, were to give someone, now that you're speaking to people and promoting what you're doing from the heart, not because, not because I, you know, you're, you're making any money out of the promotion, but what is it that you kind of, that you would share with a new investor who's thinking about getting involved in a turnkey out-of-state property? What would, you, what would you say to them? First of all, I would just say, do it. Don't, you know, just... Cause I, I mean, yeah, you know, I get it. I get the, the fear, but I would just promote my, I would share with my success stories and um, tell them. And then I would give them a little information as far as, you know, uh, choosing a good, uh, obviously I'd recommend you guys, but I, I would choose, you know, that's key is, is the, the, the turnkey operation, it, you know, cause unless you have the, the team or the connections in that area, you, you're not going to find anything. Out of state, um, so I would I would recommend that next, and then I would say just pick a market, you know, because honestly they're all probably good yeah. for the most part. Yeah, uh, they might have little uh, challenges here and there, but overall, you know, just pick one and, and, and stay with that, and be comfortable with it, study it a little bit. You know, when I when I after I bought my property in Birmingham, I reached out to people in Birmingham. And, I actually found out that they have a really big fire department because I, I broke it down. Yeah. And I was going to, you know, you can still work through your prop, your property managers and building a little team and, you know, in that as well. And yeah. um, I would just encourage them. And, you know, if they continue to off, ask me for advice, I, I just give them what I know. Awesome. Awesome. And what, what would you say, Glenn, has been the biggest lesson that you've learned through this entire ordeal? You know, the, the start now, just do it. I know that I'm not going to waste time anymore before I did. When I found something that worked, I just went with it and rolled with it, you know, and, and I'm not looking back. I love it. Glenn, do you mind sharing how old you are with our audience? Sure thing. I'm 47. You're 47 years old. Awesome. So that means you started when you were, uh, you know, when did you actually start looking into real estate? Legitimately when I talked with you guys. That okay. Was so five years ago. Good for you, Glenn. You know, I, I do remember, uh, you know, finding the money was an issue with you or so you thought it was an issue because you did have money. You just didn't know that you had it. Um, and that's the the problem with so many people. They say, yeah, I have money in my 401k. I have money in this IRA. I have money over here, but it's not enough. No. You know, I always say to people, find the deal and the money will come. And if you have money in vehicles, doesn't mean that you can't use that money. You just have to use it in a different way. And I think that you're in a testament to that as well. Um, Glenn, I cannot thank you enough. If there is one thing, only one, Glenn, that you can tell our new investors that are just 
thinking about doing this. And like you, they had been thinking for a long time and they're skeptical. What's the one thing that you would say to them right at this moment? Have faith and do it. Oh, I love it. Ready, shoot, aim. Ready, shoot, aim. Couldn't have said it better than that. From a, from a fire quieter uh, to a, um, you know, you were a Marine as well. Ready, shoot, and aim. Just do it. I absolutely love it. Glenn, thank you so, so much for your time, for your candidness, and for really putting your heart out there for our listeners that, believe it or not, experience in many cases the same exact thing that you experience. They didn't have their spouse on board. They're afraid of failure. They've been thinking about doing it for a long time. They've read the books. They've listened to the podcast. And you just, after so long, took a leap of faith and you did it. And now you have three properties that are all cash line. So proud of you, Glenn. So honored to call you a friend of the show. So uh, Glenn, thank you so much for your time. Have a great day and keep warm. All right, I will. Thank you for having me, Mercedes. You're welcome. Take care. Bye-bye. Does your money work for you as hard as you do for it? If not, no worries. You do not have a money problem. You merely have an idea problem. We're CashflowSavvy.com, and we'd like to share a new idea with you around income real estate that can transform your financial future and accelerate its arrival. Go to CashflowSavvy.com and download a free investor's package. CashflowSavvy.com. You do not have a money problem, merely an idea problem. CashflowSavvy.com. More ideas, less worries. CashflowSavvy.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.